Welcome back to Educate Ebony, the prog edition. I kind of hope by now that you know that I'm Ebony, the one being educated. and I don't have to introduce myself, but I understand that, you know, I may always have new listeners who pick this episode to choose. So hello, if you're joining us now, welcome to the podcast. I'm really sorry, but next week's going to be the last episode. You've come at the pivotal point, the pointy end of the season. Um, actually, that's pretty exciting. We've got another great interview next week, but we're talking about this episode. And before we get to it, we do need to recap last episode. So last week I spoke to Pliny and we had a great chat where he told me to listen to Death of a Dead Day by Sixth. I feel like if you've never heard of this band and I hadn't either and you haven't listened to the album, you need to go do it because I think it's a game changer. I'll tell you what. So his instructions were to, you know, make time to listen to this album. Uh, So I did. You can head to my socials at Educate Ebony, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter to see my listening notes and I did make time. I left my housemates in the middle of housemate dinner because, you know, my alarm went off to listen to the album. I had to go do it, Pliny said. So, but anyway, the album itself hooked straight from the beginning. What a great track. What's the first track called? Bland Street Bloom. Amazing. I think it showcased what they could do, but on a scaled down version. And I think the rest of the album just fully explores that. The two vocalists, incredible. The unclean vocalist, the guy who does the screams and the and the growls and whatever else you want to call them, he is insane. It's almost like, okay, so you know how you're watching a movie and someone's got like the crazy eyes going and they just look a little bit unhinged? You can hear that when he's singing. You hear his vocals and there's no way that you can't picture him with crazy eyes. Like, I don't know how else to describe it, but you have to listen to it. If you want to know what I'm talking about, just put on the song Flogging the Horses. You can hear the crazy eyes, but it's amazing. It's great. The guitar work, insane. The song, the way they progress. mm. Yeah, I loved it. I love this album. I think they have some really, really nice karma moments. For example, Where Do We Fall? That's a lovely song. And some really odd stuff as well. Mermaid Slur? It's, It's like this creepy spoken word, but there's like a rhythm to it as well. Oh my gosh, listen to it with headphones. It just, it's, ugh. It's so, it's very unsettling. But very well done. He's got a great voice for that sort of stuff. Anyway, I don't want to rave on too much about it. I think you get the gist. Love the album. Probably one of my faves of the season. Thank you so much to Pliny. But let's get to this episode. Second to last one of the season. Please enjoy. Ah, <sighs> okay. For this episode of Educate Ebony, the prog edition, I'd love to introduce James Monteith. You may know him from the spectacular prog metal band Tesseract, whose music captivates us all. He also has another project called Cage Fight, which is more along the hardcore vein, and they did just release their self-titled album only this year. And on top of all of that, he's also a music publicist and is one of the founders and directors of Hold Tight. I also, I don't know if you remember this, but I'm just going to throw it in here and we can have a laugh anyway, have it on good authority that you recommend the... A leaf-powered cool box to keep your beers cool while on tour. James, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> wow, that was quite the intro. I, I like that. Yeah, uh, thank you. Yeah, thanks for that and thanks for having me. <laughs> no, it's well, you're very welcome. It's great to have you. I don't know if you know, but I do my, you know, just a little stalk before every guest and find out, you know, some info about them. And one of the things that like immediately popped up was this interview you did in like 2018 where it was like a a piece of equipment show and tell and for the whole thing you were just like get this cool box oh my gosh it's amazing it's so cheap and it keeps your beers cool on tour and you were just like in love with this product and I was like that's hilarious 
I love that. Yeah, I completely forgot about that until you reminded <laughs> me. But yeah, do you know, I still have that cool box. I actually have that cool box in my studio room where I you know, do all my sort of practicing and demoing and stuff like that. And um, it still keeps my beers cool. So yeah, I recommend it. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> well, you had a huge summer festival season. It's literally just ended, I believe, over in the UK. How's it been for you guys? Yeah, it's been really good to get back out there. Um, it was This summer was our first bunch of shows since COVID actually getting out the UK. So we, you know, we played festivals um, all around Europe, which was brilliant. Played a few club shows as well, which were really good fun. Yeah, it just felt like we're getting back to it again. It was it was great. It was really nice to see loads of people coming out. And yeah, it's just almost feels like COVID was a bit of a bad dream. Oh, I know. I'm glad it's mostly over. Can't believe some of the stuff we used to do, like blowing out candles on a cake. Wouldn't dream of it now, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, if you think about it, blowing out candles on a cake is kind of gross because you're basically <laughs> just going to be eating that person's spit. Unless you're into that. Some people might be into that, which is, you know, fine. But. That's true. Won't yuck anyone's yum. That's totally fine. No. <laughs> well, really quickly, before we hit the the big question, what is the one album? I've sort of been asking everyone this question as well, because prog is such a very wide, varied genre. What does it mean to you? What does prog mean to you? Good question. Um, I kind of see... I actually see prog more as like an approach rather than a genre because you can apply mm. prog to any musical genre. Because for me, prog is basically approaching music, thinking outside of the box, thinking about how you can tackle things differently, um, kind of doing away with rules essentially. So I mean, that could apply to, I mean, yeah, it could apply to rock music, to to metal, to jazz, to I mean, I guess jazz was that originally kind of, but I guess jazz nowadays you think of it as it's quite modern jazz not modern jazz but like mm. classic jazz its own specific formulas so you can have sort of like a progressive approach to that which is what more modern jazz is like and i i guess in the electronic world there's all sorts of progressive variants of their subgenres. so yeah for me it's a it's an approach rather than a genre i like that that's a different take i haven't heard before very cool we will get to the big question what is the one prog album that i need to hear Okay, well, um, if anyone listens to um, any sort of prog metal at all, they probably will know this album, but I wanted to talk about it because it's probably the, it's the first prog metal album I got in, well, the first prog album I ever got into, and it happened to be prog metal because I guess I grew up as a, a metal kid. And um, in my sort of uh, mid to late teens, I discovered this album, which is Images and Words by Dream Theatre. And it was um, an absolute game changer for me because I just hadn't heard anything like it. I mean, I guess, yes, there are lots of familiarities, you know, like the heavy metal riffs. Um, at the time, there were you know, loads of bands doing loads of kind of sort of chorusy guitar sounds, and there was lots of that, um, lots of piano and like a very powerful vocalist. But what I'd never heard before was the approach to songwriting and, again, throwing me- you know, rules of what I thought metal did out the window and uh, whether it's changing up their different sounds or whether it's uh, song structures. Also, let's not forget the uh, their technical kind of proficiency because I'd never heard people play as well as that, especially in metal. I mean, I had recently got into, like, obviously my guitarist, uh, uh, my guitar nerd friends had got me into like Steve Vai and Joe Satriani and stuff like that. But I'd never heard that sort of level of um, inventiveness and skill in metal before. And John Petrucci absolutely brings that. So yeah, that's my, my vague introduction to why I think this is an important album that cool. everyone to hear if they want to hear a prog album. Hell yes, we definitely do want to hear about it. That's awesome. You said uh, the songwriting, the approach to songwriting. 
can you give me an example as someone who's not in any way musically? Oh, a little bit. No, I'm not really musically inclined. I just write about it and listen to it and talk about it. But yeah, can you give me an example? Well, I think uh, just quite often in like song structures on a basic level, I think um, quite a lot of songs do follow quite similar patterns. Uh, so, for example, you know, like with metal, you, you know, you'll have an intro riff, you'll have a verse, you have a chorus, you have a verse, a chorus, maybe a middle section, and then a chorus at the end, and maybe a heavy riff at the end, and that's kind of very standard sort of metal kind of structure. Whereas none of their songs follow that sort of pattern. Quite a lot of them uh, just develop and evolve. Like the song, I'm going to sort of go into the middle of that, Metropolis Part One. Like that's basically just like an evolution of parts. Um, which you know very rarely sort of repeats itself, but at the same time, I think it, it does bring back hooks and bring back ideas. But it's it's not as obvious, and I guess for want of a better word, or actually it's probably worse, it's not as formulaic as lots of other music at the time was. And again, lots of prog rock obviously followed the you know these kind of this kind of approach. But it's the first time I'd heard it in metal. Also, the opening track, "Pull Me Under." I mean, one thing which they did at the end, which I'd never heard before, and actually when I first had this album, a friend of mine had it on CD, and I copied it onto a tape so I had a tape version Amazing. Um, as you know anyone, <laughs> anyone my age will remember doing that quite regularly I uh I remember I actually thought that the tape version that I was listening to the CD had skipped at the end because it ends so strangely basically uh, the outro riff um plays round and round and round and stops at a really odd point in the bar and it's just very, very bizarre. And for ages, yeah, I thought that, that the CD had skipped and um, it, that's not where the ending should be until I then understood it a bit more. And then I realised that it was just like this really bizarre but clever ending that they did. Anyway, that's a pretty strange anecdote. But no, but yeah, it makes <laughs> things sense. Like, things like that. Yeah. Did yeah. you ever bring that into your music writing? Uh, not that specific idea because <laughs> that was just really out there. But I definitely think... In terms of in terms of Tesseract's approach, a lot of it is about sort of not following kind of strong structures and just building and uh, changing from one section to the next and kind of you know, creating a journey rather than than you know, just a song. So yeah, I think in principle, absolutely. Amazing. So where were you, I guess, in your life when you first heard this? You said it was the first sort of like proggy type thing you'd heard. Were you were you a lot yeah. younger as well, like teen formulative years? Yeah, teens. I guess I'd have been like 16-ish, 15, 16, 17. Um, I hadn't been playing guitar very long. And I guess the bands that got me into playing guitar, like your obvious ones, it's like sort of Guns N' Roses, Metallica, Slayer, um, and also the grunge era stuff as well, obviously like Pearl Jam and Soundgarden, who actually I could have done a Soundgarden now, because I think Soundgarden, although I didn't really realise at the time, were also very proggy, even though they were kind of labelled a grunge band. Anyway, slight sidetrack. <laughs> but... Uh, a guy who was a friend of mine who was like a virtuoso to me he was a virtuoso guitarist he was a year older than me and um he was incredible he was like he could shred like anything and i went around to his house after school and he said he said listen to this and we sort of listened to it and it blew our minds like my jaw just dropped that, like how <laughs> incredible it was and um so yeah it definitely had a very significant impact on me i think at that age yeah i guess that's the time of time of your life when you never really forget certain records and that's why this one definitely comes under that yeah, definitely. I find that, at least for me, albums that I heard when I was younger, you know, you forget about, you discover other music, you move forwards with your life, and then something will happen and you'll listen to it again. And you'll be like, oh my God, this was so good. And like, I'll still know all the lyrics to a certain, like to the whole album or whatever it is. Was there a point where you came back to it and you were like, oh, 
this was so important. I can't believe I forgot about it or it was just there like the entire time. No, I definitely forgot about it. Um, I think, I guess when I got into my sort of much later teens, early 20s, I got very much more into the new metal kind of thing. Mm. And uh, my first band that actually did something uh, was, was kind of a, a new metal band. I, I kind of definitely went off prog for a while and I got much more into, I guess I, guess I started rediscovering hip hop and electronic music um, and like drum and bass and that sort of thing. And I kind of almost for my early 20s, I think, went off rock and metal. I mean, I enjoyed playing it, but I, st- I stopped listening to it. I kind of got a bit bored of it at the time. It just wasn't really doing very much for me. A lot of bands like Killswitch Engage and that I enjoyed. There was a lot of that, that, that whole wave of metalcore, which I think it was probably just the time of my life rather than the music. I just was less into it and I was just discovering new things. But I got back into, I mean, again, now thinking of more albums I could talk about. I got back <laughs> into probably metal stuff in 2000, uh, sort of the mid 2000s when um, I heard Catch 33 by Meshuggah. And um, and that was just prior to me joining Tesseract. So I joined Tesseract in 2006. I remember 2004 I heard Catch 33. Can't quite remember. But then yeah, that completely got me back into heavy music again as in as a fan rather than just playing it and um yeah i think and then after getting into like lots of like the tech metal of that sort of era i then re rediscovered dream theater i was like oh yeah this band were brilliant <laughs> I kind of understood the importance. yeah definitely still are well as a first time listener of this album because i haven't heard it before i've heard other dream theater songs obviously and other albums but not this one in particular is there an aspect that you love that myself on the first listen I might overlook or not quite notice it? What should I be looking out for? Or certain songs? Uh, I think I think um, it does chop and change a lot. It's quite varied. I think um, uh, I think be, be prepared for lots of unexpected moments, and also don't be too scared of the cheese. There's some cheesy moments. Like uh, <laughs> track two, uh, another day has um, a saxophone part in it, which. Sounds like it comes from like a 90s soft porn movie or, you know, like a, or a coffee advert, someone <laughs> which in the 90s were quite like soft porn, like things anyway. And it's, but it's, uh, it is cheesy, but it is brilliant. Um, I think the song Take the Time is brilliant in terms of like the time signature changes it plays with, Under a Glass Moon is wonderful. I don't know. It's basically just a real epic journey of a record and really game-changing because I don't think I'd heard anything in, I don't think anything in metal had been this adventurous until then. Nice, nice. Well, uh, it obviously stands up for you in 2022. Uh, do you think it would stand up in future years? Yeah, I think I think so, just simply because it was so game-changing. And the production is great as well. Like, it sounds great. The guitar tone still sounds as fresh now to me as it did then. Like, the performances are excellent. It's very dynamic. And, yeah, I think it, it kind of paved the way for loads of other bands. So I think it's, yeah... I think it stands the test of time because it was so different then and is still so different now. A lot of people have probably imitated it a bit, mm. but not done. But, yeah, no one's topped it, I don't think. No. Yeah. Nice. I'm biased. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and this is my, my favourite question and my last question. What are my listening notes or how should I listen to this album? Should I be doing a certain thing in a certain mindset? How would you listen to it? Um, I think it depends on what you want to get out of it. I think if you really want to fully appreciate it, I don't think you should be driving a car because part of your concentration is going to be focused on driving. It's like car driving music, I think, is really good when it's just simple and got a nice groove and you want to get somewhere. I think this is like a kickback with a glass of red wine if you drink Ooh, or yes some I other do. something. 
something yes. that mellows you out and uh, just get comfortable sit back and enjoy it and kind of get lost in it a little bit I mean I wouldn't say get completely absorbed if you're with friends it's quite be quite nice to do with friends as long as they, you haven't got a chatterbox with you that keeps talking <laughs> over the guitar silos or something like that but yeah I think I think it's a definitely uh, sit back and absorb it album I like it this is I do like prog and so far um, all of the listening notes not all of them but they have been like you know just chill out get it on record put it down listen to it and last season the first season I did was metal and everyone's like go to the gym go for walks mm. and I was like I'm gonna get so fit but this is really nice yeah. I'd love to <laughs> sit down and drink some wine <laughs> Uh, now you're just going to get a bad lever um not do any exercise listening to prog <laughs> oh it's fine there's always next year you know <laughs> <laughs> well is there anything else you'd like to add about this album before we wrap it up i think i don't know just from a personal experience i got the an amazing honor a few years ago um, um of I, I gave john petrucci uh i got to present him with an award about this album and <gasps> about his work being virtuoso it's for prog magazine i think it's 2000 and is it, 2018, 2019, yeah, just before COVID. And um, I had to do a speech and talk about this record, well, talk about his work in general, but I focused on this record a little bit. And it was the most nerve wracking experience of my life, but it was also one of the most wonderful experiences of my life. So that's another reason why um, this band and this album and this era of this band is really important to me because I got to have that amazing experience and do a little speech and present an award to him. And uh, yeah. So again, I'm probably even more biased about my love for this record because of that. That's what we want. That's lovely. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, amazing. There we have it. The one prog album that James Monteith thinks that you and I should listen to is Images and Words by Dream Theatre. James, thank you so much for your wisdom. I can't wait to listen to it from your point of view. No worries. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate you giving me the chance to talk about stuff I love. So that's great. (laughs) Thank you. I just realised as well, I was checking the release date, this album is 30 years old now, which I guess by prog standards isn't that old, but in terms of modern music, it definitely is, I think. So It definitely yeah. is. Yes. Quick fact for you. <laughs>